Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. Bookkeeping tells you about the financial health of your practice. Bookkeeping is just a way of tracking your income and tracking your expenses that you had during a specific time period, typically a calendar year, because that's what the tax rules require. And it's just kind of writing down how much income did you make? How much money did you spend on specific types of expenses? Mm. And then you being able to see at the end of the day, how much money do I have left over? Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question, how can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. So today on the podcast, we have Cass Tayegi. Cass is a Canadian accountant who has a firm that specializes in working with therapists and health practitioners. Today on the podcast, Cass and I get into some real nitty gritty financial stuff. We get into bookkeeping, what it means, how to think about bookkeeping, why it's worth your time to bookkeep as you go. And then we also look at the kind of sibling to bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is about the past budgeting, which is about the future. I know budgeting is not everyone's favorite topic, but it's so, so helpful to really start to be able to think about budgeting and what it means in terms of not only money and planning ahead for money that's going to be coming in, but Cass talks about using your budget to also plan your time by looking at the past, by looking at your bookkeeping. You can also look to the future and look at what numbers are going to look like and actually plan your year, plan your practice to fit the way that numbers tend to work in your practice, work with what is a really helpful perspective on budgeting and planning forward into the future so that you can build a practice that works for you and meets your needs and is actually going to be realistic. And then we also get into taxes. So as you can hear, lots of nitty gritty stuff today, but I think you're going to find cast to be really accessible, really down to earth, and their love for helping therapists understand these things and make them work for us really shines through. Here's my conversation with Cass Tayegi.
So Cass, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm really excited to be here today. So you have the distinction, Cass, of now being the first Canadian accountant that we've had on the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. (laughs) It's funny when we were speaking before that actually didn't surprise me because I feel like a lot of accountants in Canada are just very generalist. You know, they kind of work with anyone who will come to them. They help you in tax season and then they typically ghost you for the rest of the year as well. Accurate. Uh, So excited to be here and help some therapists to understand their finances a little bit better. Yeah. And since you are Canadian, you know, some of the things we might talk about today might be just specific for Canadians. And we can try to like make a note of those when we do talk about those things. But also, as we chatted about just a little bit before we started recording, a lot of the principles of accounting or ways to manage money apply all over the world, literally. So a lot of what we talk about will apply to everybody today as we think about accounting and therapists. So let's get started. I want to hear your pitch because a lot of a lot of folks who listen to this podcast, they're listening because like maybe money is not their best friend or they're working on having a better relationship. And when you're still working on your relationship with money, often it's hard to stay on top of it, right? And it's hard to like actually be tracking or yeah, keeping track of or knowing what to do. So from your perspective as an accountant, Cass, why is bookkeeping important? for therapists to be doing? And like, what should people be keeping track of in terms of their bookkeeping? Yeah, no, great question. And it's so funny because I find that a lot of clients that we work with, they kind of come to us and they're like, oh, shoot, I haven't done my bookkeeping or I don't Mm -hmm. have my bookkeeping. So we take a very hands-on approach with our clients to help them actually through this journey because it is really overwhelming until you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Once you know what to do, it's a lot easier, right? Mm -hmm. But when someone says, give me your bookkeeping, it's kind of like a deer in the headlight moment. So what does that even mean, right? How do I even do that? I don't understand what this thing is. But bookkeeping tells you about the financial health of your practice. Hmm. Bookkeeping is just a way of tracking your income and tracking your expenses that you had during a specific time period, typically a calendar year, because that's what the tax rules require. And it's just kind of writing down how much income did you make? How much money did you spend on specific types of expenses? Hmm. And then you being able to see at the end of the day, how much money do I have left over? You know, did I have a big sales month or a small sales month? Did I spend more money than I earned this month? And kind of breaking it down into those categories so you can really understand how much did I spend on a new laptop? How much did I spend on regular monthly recurring costs Mm -hmm. of my practice management software? How much did I spend this month on advertising for that one-time cost? But now I don't have to spend that money going forward. So I can know that that was a big investment into my business. And Mm -hmm. so it's really just looking at almost like the cash flows coming in and out of your business and gives you that really great high-level picture of what is your financial health of your practice? Where did you spend money and where did money come in? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're putting together that, that big picture or small picture, I guess, depending on the period of time to understand what happened because bookkeeping is historical. Is that a fair thing to say? Exactly. Yeah. Bookkeeping is what has happened up until today, um, mm-hmm. everything that has happened so far. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about budgeting as well, I think a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the, the exact opposite, right? Yes. What's going to happen in the future. But when you think about bookkeeping, it's kind of writing down that you know, in the month of August, how much sales did I make? And mm-hmm. you can use some really cool things with bookkeeping as well, because it's not just necessarily about your sales, right? Like, you know, money comes into your bank account and that's a great number, but 
Maybe you invested in a new Google ad about couples therapy. Mm. So breaking out your income into individual sessions versus couple sessions could be something really cool to put into your bookkeeping so that you can see how profitable or how much money you're now making from those couple sessions and see if that specific ad is now working. You can also break it out by different practitioners. If you're a clinic owner, you maybe want to track how each of the practitioners that you work with are trending and making sure that they're progressing in the way that you would want them to from a sales perspective so that they're increasing their sales and you're also getting value out of having them on your roster as well. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of different ways that you can break out your income to actually see really interesting information, you know, even new versus returning patients. How much money do you actually get from your new patients every single month? What is that looking like? Is your practice still building or is it kind of stagnant now? Because Mm. maybe you're full and so you're only doing returning patients. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like what I'm hearing you know, the way you're talking about it, there's, there's, for some reason, this has never occurred to me before, but as we're thinking about it as historical, it almost makes me think of keeping a diary, right? Where it's like, you're recording what happened. And by recording what happens, you get to take some perspective and reflect and make sense of what happened, right? And it happened no matter what, but by stopping to record it, then you can look at it. And then as you, as you're saying, you can see these cool things of like, yeah, your return on investment, this ad you paid for, did it make any difference? Has your amount of couple sessions improved or like what's happening with this particular person that you hired? There's a story there that you can pull out if you put that information together by bookkeeping. Absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, without having that stuff written down, you you have no idea where to even start to make better financial decisions for your business. Mm-hmm. Because you just you don't even know where your money has been going or how your money has been coming in. Yeah. Right? If you sit down and you think, oh, you know, I think I had a lot of sales this month, but then you look at it and it's perhaps shorter sessions instead of 90 minute sessions, you did only 60 minutes Well, you were super busy, but you're not earning as much, right? Mm. Because 90 minute sessions are, are going to be a little bit more profitable, right? They bring in right. sales. Yes. So that gut feeling versus seeing it on paper and maybe it's aligned and maybe it's not. And if it's not aligned, that's where the issues come out, right? And I think that's such a helpful point because our emotional experience experience, our emotional story about money can be so strong sometimes, but it's not necessarily correlated to what's actually happening with those numbers, right? And I, I always tend to think about like the the wisdom is in the middle. The wisdom is like in that balance between like, yeah, what was that emotional experience like of making that money? Because if you have a month to use your like 45 session versus 90 minute session example, if you have a month where you do a ton of 90 minute sessions, you only do 90 minute sessions and you're so, so busy and you're so tired and you feel so drained and you feel like you like you can't catch up, right? But then you look at your numbers and it's your best month ever. It's like, yeah, it's your best month ever, but emotionally, the cost of doing that, like that's not sustainable, right? And so like those two things really, I I think work together to tell us what is strategic in our business, but we can only know that I'm hearing from you by actually having those numbers to get put together. Exactly. And writing them down, honestly, we recommend to all of our clients to do it at least on a monthly basis. Uh, And I think Lindsay will probably have it in the show notes, but we have a free bookkeeping template that would be applicable for Canadian and US listeners as well. If you just need somewhere to start the US one, there's a couple of little tweaks that need to be made, but if you have questions, you can always reach out. And this template, we, we also have, you know, some emails and helping you just to understand how to get set up for success as well. But tracking this on a monthly basis and just kind of seeing what happened. I think it's also important to understand that sometimes you make big investments into your business, Mm -hmm. like building a new website. And so in that month, it probably feels like, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated. I have no money left over. How am I going to pay my bills or I have to take out some debt or or different Mm -hmm. things. But getting to that point and then looking back and saying, 
oh, well, that's how I feel that way. It was marketing. It's not that my sales were less. It's mm. that big expense. And so yes. for yes. this one month, that can be okay because I expect it to pay off for me in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really lets you take perspective and understand what's actually happened. So then thinking about the the flip. So, you know, bookkeeping is that looking back on the past. It's that like diary keeping. So now let's talk about budgeting. For folks who are listening, how can they start to not only then think about the past, but also think about the future and plan through budgeting? Uh, so I always say that budgeting is what you expect your bookkeeping to look like at the end of the year. Hmm. So it's sitting down at the end of the year and saying, okay, in 2024, what do I expect to make? When do I expect to have these big expenses, like a new website? You know, I already know that I'm going to pay for that in February. So you just kind of slot it in and you hmm. almost like mentally reserve that cash or mentally know that maybe February you're going to have a, a different month. You know, you're mm-hmm. also thinking about your sales patterns. So especially when you're going to be tracking your sales by month, you can start to see maybe January, February are quite busy and then March starts to trail off. And then if you take vacation in the summer, you already know that maybe July of 2024, you're not going to earn that much income because that's when you always take vacation. Yes. But you know that it's going to be coming and you can plan around that and think about these the sales profile as well as these big expenses that come up and just kind of mm. know that they're coming and plan yeah. for that as best as you can. Yeah. That's an, that's a really helpful piece to zoom in on. Cause I think a lot of times when, when folks think about budgeting, they think about uh, expenses, right. And spending. And I, and I will say and acknowledge that for many folks listening right now, probably talking about budgeting is like, Bleh. It's it's really nobody's favorite thing, but I love what you're zooming in on here is like, it's not just thinking about what you're going to spend or not spend or any of those things. It's also thinking about like, what are your earnings going to look like based on the plans that you have, right? So as you're saying, like, if you're not going to be working in July because you're going to be taking time off and that's going to be amazing, planning ahead. So that means you're going to have half the income in July because realistically, that's what happens when we only work half the time is we have half the income. So putting that into your your projections and plans rather than it having being a surprise or being disappointing because it's going to happen. Exactly. It's almost like it's your roadmap for what your cash flow is going to look like next year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, just to plug in, since I am an accountant, you can also better save for income taxes. Uh, once you know what next year is going to look like, you can come up with a really good amount to be able to save and set aside. Uh, we typically talk about a specific percentage of mm-hmm. your income level. So then you can plan and prepare and just kind of know what that will look like instead of scrambling in April every year to pay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're going to plan forward for times that you're working more times that you're working less and have a better guess of what that number is going to be. Cause that's something that I find folks guess on. And, and there's some forgiveness to guessing. Cause once you figure out your percentage, you know, as long as you've picked within the right tax bracket ish, but it can feel like a big guess as to what your actual take-home income is going to be. But I'm hearing that budgeting is a way that you can think about it more accurately. Yeah, exactly. Because you're already planning for, let's say, one of your business goals next year, maybe Lindsay's example of you worked so many 90-minute sessions and now you're exhausted and you're like, oh my gosh, I never want to do that again. I'm going to scale back. I'm only going to do 15 sessions per week. Maybe last year you did 20 sessions per week. And so you mm-hmm. have this big income tax bill with this big income tax percentage. And now you're saying, oh no, scaling back is going to be a better fit for me. I'm going to maybe manage expenses or something like that. You know, what is your sales going to look like if you scale back five sessions per week? How does that look when you actually put it down on paper? What does mm-hmm. that do to impact your finances? So then you can plan your personal life as well, right? Mm-hmm. 
business leads so much into your personal, you know, how will you continue to pay your mortgage or afford other things, right? Right. You can plan in, oh, well, if I scale this back, then that means maybe I have a virtual assistant. Maybe I'll scale back the virtual assistant because now I'll give more admin time as an example to kind of make up that difference. Mm. Um, But it's really to do with your business goals. And it's saying, okay, at the end of this year, what do I want to do next year? You know, this year was great or not so great or in the middle. What do I want next year to look like? Where do I want that to go? And planning that out and looking at that cash flow so that you can make some really good decisions today for what you think will end up happening. Mm. So for people who are listening who might not have a system in place yet and maybe aren't tracking yet, how can they start to budget? What what would be a starting place to start to build this skill set? Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry, everyone listening, but step number one is doing your bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a trap. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. It's a trap. It really is. Bookkeeping is going to tell you what has happened so far, and it, it gives you a good idea of what to expect in the future, right? Mm. Your expenses that you have in August for OWL and for uh, Zoom and for other things, they're likely going to happen again next month and next month and every month for the rest of your career, right? You also already know when you're going to have to pay your accountant every year. You know when your membership dues are going to be payable as well. So looking at your bookkeeping and into the past is going to help you to say, oh, okay, this is most likely what's going to happen in the future. Now, of Mm. course, if your rent has increased or your accountant has increased their fees, that's going to change things. And you kind of have to think strategically about, oh, how much do I think that'll cost next year? But it opens up this conversation for, okay, in February, I had to spend $1,000. Do I think that's going to happen again? Yes or no? What does that look like going forward? Right. Yeah. And do you suggest that folks do this like on paper and spreadsheets? Like, What do you suggest to people who are just maybe starting? Yeah, I'll say whatever works best for you and gets you to actually do it. I yes. think it's going to be the best system, right? Yeah. For me, I'll be honest, our bookkeeping template that we use, we also use that essentially the exact same template for budgeting for our clients as well, because mm-hmm. it's all the same ideas, right? Yeah. Once you do your bookkeeping, you can almost copy it and now call it your budget and then just tweak it a little bit for what's yes. Yeah. And then you have all of this really great, useful data from last year, like your busy periods and your slow periods, right? Maybe for you, things pick up in September, maybe not. Maybe if you're working predominantly with kids, things don't pick up till October because parents are still dealing with the back to school thing, right? Yes. Maybe September is actually a low month for you because of that. But now you can plan and prepare and you know that Mm. already. You can also look for the large expenses, your sources of growth if you're breaking things out, right? Good one could be, you know, adult couples and children's therapy and which one are you pushing? And maybe each of those have different types of profiles as well, right? Couples therapy is probably going to be a lot more popular in January and then maybe trail off, whereas individual therapy tends to be a bit more consistent. And then kids, it's all around the school schedule, right? So you can just prepare for that. Right. Yeah. 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 I I love it because it's so clear. Like often what happened in the past is what's going to happen again unless you're planning to do something drastically different, right? And and understanding those ebbs and flows, one of the many benefits I can think of that is it's not an emotional surprise. It's not a financial surprise, but also it's not an emotional surprise when you're like, yeah, it's July and I work with kids. So nobody's around because kids are off at camps and they're away with their families, right? Like it's it allows you, I think, to be real and reasonable about your expectations rather than it being a shock when your numbers look a certain way. Absolutely. And looking at these ebbs and flows, let's say, you know, if you're in your first year of practice and you're just working as much as you possibly can, and then you start to see these natural ebbs and flows, well, now you should start building out a vacation schedule for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not that busy in July anyway, yes. 
Why yes. not take time off in July? Right. A hundred percent. Yes. And this is, this is like something that I find I have renewed conversations with myself literally every summer Cass. this summer. It's a different conversation because also as your life evolves, but I've noticed for me, like even teaching, it's like folks, folks are not as engaged in the summer. And it's kind of like, we're all kind of like, uh, like I'm, I'm teaching a new program, Money Skills for Group Practice Owners, which is going super well. It's really fun. And at the same time, people like some of my my repeat students have been kind of like giving me a hard time of like, why are you running this in the summer? You know, my kids are home. Like, why are you doing this to me? And I'm like, I am so sorry. So, but this next year, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm going to actually structure my life in the future because I have a child around the fact that he's going to be off school and things are going to look different. And our routine at the very least is going to be different and just building that in to next year's schedule so that I'm not kind of like fighting against the season, <laughs> like doing work when other people are not really around or doing work. Like that, seeing what's happened in the past and making a note of it means you can like go with the flow and do what makes sense for you in the future rather than repeating the same thing next summer or next holidays or whatever the thing is. Exactly. To the extent that you can, because sometimes your your family wants to take a big vacation in July. And even if July is a high month, still go and enjoy that vacation. But now you know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And you know what that income loss is going to look like. So you can better plan and prepare for that trip that you're now really excited about. And then mm-hmm. know maybe coming back in August, if that's a low month for you, maybe you, you know, block off Mondays and do use that as an admin day. So then you can really enjoy your evenings instead of mm-hmm. having to chart every single day. You just chart on Mondays as an example. Yeah, right, right. Figure out different ways to take yes. advantage of the seasonality. Mm, yeah, I like that. I like that creativity too, right? Of thinking it can look so many different ways working with, by looking at the past and how things have looked and how they're going to tend to look, you can then tweak the way that you're working to make it fit the actual situation. Exactly. And I would say more people should be excited about what's going to happen than what has happened in the past, right? Like I just came back from vacation. I don't even remember the fact that I was on vacation, but I'm really excited about my next vacation and I'm already planning for that. (laughs) Right, right. So sitting down now, or, you know, maybe it's a Christmas exercise or whatever that looks like and going, oh, hey, what am I doing next year? What do I have to be excited about? Mm -hmm. Especially when you've just kind of gone through the fall and it's been busy and now Jan and Feb are still going to be busy, right? Yeah. Get yourself excited about what that will look like and then start thinking financially about, okay, how do I afford that? Even if it's six months down the road. So then mm. in six months, you already maybe have some money set aside. So you don't even yeah. feel that, that pinch from not working. Yeah. And I think to, you know, folks that are listening, many will be mental health therapists. Some people are, you know, manual practitioners or speech language pathologists, but regardless of the type of helping work that you do, it, it is also heavy work. And I think it's good for us from a mental health perspective to have a break to look forward to, you know, whether that's going to be like having an extra day off in the summer or actual time away or staycation, whatever it is. Like, I think that's so important to bake that in to the way that we do business um, in the helping professions, because it's essential to make it sustainable that we actually have that quality time off. And I'm hearing from, from you as an accountant, that that's something that can be planned from an accounting perspective. That should be part of how we think about our year. Yeah, exactly. And then you can kind of see where the finances are going to end up going, but also get, uh, you know, that almost mental clarity of, okay, what are the finances going to look like? Because it can be really intimidating. So if you're in your first year of practice, you've just been working for the whole year and the idea of taking some time off is feeling really intimidating, Mm -hmm. you can plan for it. And then all of a sudden, just knowing that you already have that plan and, and setting some money aside in the months before you end up going on vacation just feels a lot less intimidating to be able to take. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then speaking of setting money aside, the other question that 
tends to float around for folks, especially when they're newer in practice, but also if their financial picture has been changing, right? If their practice has been growing or decreasing is taxes. That's the other budgeting piece that like, you know, taxes are inevitable, but sometimes it's hard for folks to really hone in on how to save. So what do you generally suggest people should be saving for taxes? Yeah, great question. So I'm going to get a little bit uh, Canadian centric. So apologies (laughs) to the US listeners, you know, saving for taxes, one of the most important things is saving sales tax that you collect. So Mm. GST or HST, depending on your province, um, saving your actuals, the actual amount that you collected, but then by doing your bookkeeping on a regular basis, again, this is a trap, I'll leave you back to bookkeeping. Uh, (laughs) But by doing your bookkeeping on a regular basis, you can have that number really easily accessible to be able Mm -hmm. to set aside. And also when you're registered for sales tax, you actually get to claim the GST or HST that you paid on purchases as a mm-hmm. 1% deduction against the sales tax that you collected. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of health professionals who save their full 13% if you're in Ontario yeah. and then so much money left over at the end of the year, which is nice because then they feel like they get a bit of a bonus, but you know, it could also be nicer to just save the appropriate amount throughout the year and have a little bit more to spend on groceries, you know, yes. 2023 and this inflation thing's a little bit too much. It is a lot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great example of like, uh, if you save as you go. So this is for folks who charge sales tax. So for Americans listening to sales tax might also apply to you, but yeah, if you're able to write off your purchases against, you know, the money you've collected, you might end up actually owing a lot less than you think you do, but you're only going to know that if you're tracking as you go. Exactly. And, you know, there are some other things, you know, in Canada, we have what's called the quick method for sales tax. So mm-hmm. never give the government the full 13%. So, you know, I don't want to say never save the full 13%, but you never end up having to pay that because if you work with a good accountant, they should be able to help you get that down pretty significantly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then what about income tax? Yeah. So income tax, again, we encourage our clients to do that on a monthly basis, just to see what's your taxable income for this specific month. And then you've got the cash in your bank account, and then you set your amount aside. Uh, And we talked a little bit earlier, Lindsay, about the percentage model. And that's Mm -hmm. what we tend to talk about within our client base as well within our firm. And to give you some good examples, in the province of Ontario, if you make $50,000 of taxable income, you're looking at 25%. If you make $100,000, you're at 29%. So the percentages actually don't change that much. Uh, yeah, it's it's so it's such a smaller jump than you would think between those income brackets. Exactly. Now the dollar amount is huge, but you know some people come to me and they say, "Oh, I'm saving thirty percent," mm-hmm. but they're a new grad who's never worked, and so you yes. might have to carry forwards. So that doesn't really make sense because you don't need to save that much, right? Yeah. Um, but the difference between that twenty-five to twenty-nine percent from a percentage perspective, it's really small. From a dollar mm-hmm. amount, though, it can become really big. So. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to grow your business, let's say last year you made 50,000 and then this year your goal is to make 100,000, you want to double this year. Well, if you only save 25%, you're actually going to have a, a pretty big amount of cash mm-hmm. to make up at the end of the year. Right. So it's always best to you know err on the side of caution, go for that little bit higher number. Yeah. But because you've already set up your budget in place and you have a really good idea of what your income after all of your expenses will look like, mm-hmm. then you can better estimate what your percentage is, right? Let's say mm-hmm. you end up at $70,000, where you can take somewhere between 25 to 29%, save that throughout the year. And that's going to be a pretty reasonable percentage for you. Right. And to clarify with that number, Cass, does that include their their employer portions of like, you know, in Canada, it's CPP and EI. In the US, it would be like the self-employment tax. So does that include those portions as well when we're talking about 20, those numbers as examples, 29% or 25%? 
So that includes CPP, the employee and the employer portion, but individuals who own their own business, especially sole proprietors, you don't have to pay into EI unless unless you've opted in. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that does include those numbers. Great. Exactly. Yeah. And just for context, I think in 2023, the number for CPP employee plus employer contribution is $7,500. So Mm. it's not nothing. But mm. the number does max out at around $70,000, which is why the percentage doesn't change too much when you oh. go to 100000 because you drop off that 11% contributing into your CPP. Right. Okay. So there's a tax there that disappears once you pass a certain income bracket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that is very helpful to think about, you know, like really looking forward and thinking like exactly how much are you going to earn? Because that allows you to set that percentage. And as you say, like, even though it's not a big percentage jump because your income jumps a lot, it would be, you know, several thousand dollars you'd be having to find that it's just nicer not to have to find those if you don't have to. It's better to have that as an extra bonus after filing mm-hmm. taxes than to have to magically come up with that amount of money. Yes. And one tax mistake that I feel like I, I do need to mention Cass, um, because I hear this a lot, and you probably hear this from your clients as well, is for a lot of therapists, I notice there is a confusion on what number to save that, let's say 25%, what number to save that 25% on. So for folks who are listening, can you clarify exactly what number should they be looking at to save 25% of? Absolutely. It's your income after you deduct all of your expenses. Mm -hmm. So that net income number, yes. it's not on the gross big number that you bring in because you might have a lot of expenses during the year, right? You might be paying rent and you also get to deduct your home office if you're in Canada or perhaps your vehicle as well, depending on the type of work that you're doing mm-hmm. and your cell phone and other things like that, that you get to bring that really big sales number down a lot smaller. And that's what you pay tax on. Yes. Okay. So it's your earnings that you take home after you've paid to run your business. Because I I many, many times encounter therapists who are saving 30% of everything that they bring in. And then they're kind of like, why do I have no money to get paid? It's like, yeah, because that's a lot of money you can end up paying, especially if you're paying a lot of business expenses. Exactly. Well, and, you know, that can be um, an exercise that you do with your accountant. If Mm -hmm. you're not comfortable with thinking about that net number, if that's something Mm -hmm. that doesn't jive with you, uh, I've worked with some clients who are like, okay, just give me the number of my gross, right? Of the sales coming in, what do I do with that? And so you can, you know, a good accountant can help you to back into that and figure Mm -hmm. out what percentage, but it should really be smaller than 25%, even if you add in sales tax. Yeah. Yeah. And and in Money Skills for Therapists, because we eventually teach profit first and many folks opt into profit first, that's where you do take a number off of everything, but it's a smaller number, right? Like we have an equation to reduce it. So you're not saving 25% of everything that comes in the door. You might only be saving 15% or, or 18%, depending on how much you're spending to run the business. But I think that's where, I think that's probably added to confusion is people know that profit first exists and that you take percent percentages off of everything. And so they just take their full tax number and take it off of everything. But yeah, I'm hearing from you, like, if you have questions about this, and if you want to think about it, like how much do I set aside of every dollar, a good accountant can help you figure out that number. Absolutely. And it should be pretty easy for them to be able to help you to figure out as well. Yeah. Awesome. Some of the other things that can also impact how much you have to pay in taxes are your RRSP contributions. Mm. So those you know additional contributions that you're making into retirement savings, um, and for Canadians, I'm going to give you guys a little tip for 2023. There's a tax bracket at $106,000. So if you catch up all your bookkeeping and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be making more than $106,000 this year, please contribute to your RRSPs because you mm. get about 40% savings on that. It's really significant. Oh, that. wow. 
Okay. Okay. And for Americans listening, I will say an RSP is our retire, um, retirement registered retirement savings plans that, are, you know, you don't have to pay taxes on the money you contribute there. So for Americans, I believe that that is 401ks are the ones that are like pre-tax. Folks who are listening, you probably know the answer. You probably already know. So I'm not going to clarify and pretend to be an American investment specialist, but that's uh, what Cass is referring to there. So that's, yeah. a, that's a great tip for Canadians listening is if you notice you're going to cross that 106 line, making an RSP contribution can bring you back down a tax bracket. And not that it's ever a bad thing to contribute into your RRSPs. You know, even if you're making $50,000 contributing $100 per year, it does compound and you earn interest. And it is it's still a good thing to start making those investments. But mm-hmm. especially after that $106,000, just the return on it, yes. 40% decrease. You know, so if you contribute $10,000, you get a $4,000 decrease in your income tax bill. It's pretty significant, That's right? significant. Yeah, that's great. That's a very good tip. Thank you, Cass. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. And for folks who are listening, how can they find out more about you? Canadians that are listening, uh, especially, and folks who might be, you know, looking for an accountant who specializes in Canadian therapists, uh, who are very few and far between, I will say, where can they find you and, and what do you have for them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have a very active social media presence on Instagram. I'm on there with reels three times per week, giving lots of great tips. Uh, which you know, has lots of information for you. So follow at Tiagi Group Accounting. It's going to be a really good place for you. You can also you know, ask us any questions in our DMs. We're happy to uh, kind of connect you with some good resources. Uh, and we also offer free discovery calls for any potential clients as well. So if you're looking to switch accountants or you're listening to this call and you think that you want to work with an accountant that's cool instead of just, you know, an accountant that's a little bit boring, uh, we have a fantastic team of CPAs on roster. So you can book in at tiagigroupaccounting.ca slash book, or the link is also in our Instagram bio as well, in case you don't want to try spelling that one. We have these free discovery calls. And then we always start our clients off with a free one hour onboarding strategy call so that we can review your financial situation. Although I will give a warning that you have to have bookkeeping completed for us to review as well, but we're there for you to uh, ask questions and help you along the way. And then just get prepped and prepared for next tax season. It's never too early to start doing that. We actually onboard most of our clients in the fall season because Mm -hmm. the clients that we work with are people who really want to start understanding their finances and taking it pretty seriously and wanting to just get education, knowledge, understanding, and have a good CPA on their team. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Cass. Thanks, Lindsay. I have a lot of folks ask me if they need to work with an accountant. And my answer is yes. And the reason my answer is yes is for tips like the one that Cass just gave at the end of the conversation where they just shared, you know, this certain tax line in Canadian taxes, you know, where if you cross over $106,000, if you can put money away in your tax sheltered investments, you can save up to like $4,000 if you can put away a chunk of money. That kind of knowledge of the way that taxes work, the way that different investments work, that is that really specialized niche knowledge that accountants have. You know, the way that I like to talk about it is we should have people on our team who are really geeky and excited about things that we do not like. And most of us don't read uh, tax code for fun and haven't done all the research on, you know, these little like tips and 
advantageous points where if you do a certain thing, you can save a bunch of money, but accountants do. So having someone like Cass on your team to guide you in being able to make these great choices and answer your really specific questions that are specific to your province or your state is really, really valuable. Uh, we don't know what we don't know. And I think uh, the conversation with Cass shows that you know there's people who are really excited about the things that we don't know, and it's worth it to invest and have those folks on your team, whether they're doing your bookkeeping for you or whether you're just meeting with them periodically or getting your taxes done by them and having those end of year conversations, they add knowledge to your business that you don't have. If you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at money nuts and bolts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you know what I'm going to say, please jump over to Apple podcasts and leave me a review. It is the best way for other therapists and health practitioners to find us and be part of these conversations. Thanks for listening today.